Imputed Podcast starts right now. Welcome back to another edition of the Asman and Budic Show podcast. Jake, we're going to have the honor to be joined by Mac Lachlan. He's the play-by-play voice of the New Jersey Devils on WFAN. He's one of our favorite broadcasters. Obviously, we don't talk a lot of hockey on the show, but we're both pretty big Islander fans, and they're off to a nice start this season. But Matt Laughlin is one of the best broadcasters Absolutely. in the NHL, one of the best broadcasters in professional sports. He's that good at what he does, and a lot of people may not know too much about him just because you know he's, he is the radio voice of the Devils, and they're not exactly the most popular team in the New York metropolitan area, but at the end of the day, Matt Laughlin's one of the best broadcasters out there, and we're really excited about the opportunity to have him on the show. Absolutely. You know, obviously, he's a Seton Hall graduate and uh, had the opportunity to work on Mets pregame show on F- on uh, FSM when they were back on there before SMY. So this guy's been around, and he's been doing a great job for the last seven or eight years with the Devils. And you see what's going on with the Devils, obviously, their first season post-Marty Brodora, so we'll get to that with him. And then the Islanders, we just mentioned it. They're off to a pretty good start. The Rangers coming off the Stanley Cup, they were off to a bit of a rocky start, but they seem to have been able to get things going up late, so we'll get to all the local teams with Matt, and we'll go around the NHL and talk about the biggest storyline. So we'll do all that with Matt Laughlin right after this. You are listening to the Asman and Beauty Podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. Welcome back to the Asman and Budic Show. Jake Asman alongside Dan Budic. And now, Dan, joining us on the phone line, you hear him on WFAN, the radio play-by-play voice of the New Jersey Devils, Matt Laughlin. joins us. Matt, how are you? Fellas, I'm doing well. Um, glad to spend some time with you. Thanks very much for asking. Matt, you know, again, we appreciate you uh, giving us some time. Obviously, you became the play-by-play man of the New Jersey Devils in 2006. Was it a tough adjustment going from a pregame show to then doing the games regularly in a booth on on a night-to-night basis? Oh, yeah. It was more of an adjustment than I thought it would be. You know, I think that play-by-play on the television side, and and I was backing up Doc Emmerich and doing, oh, I don't know, depending on his national schedule commitment, 12, 15 games a year, uh, there's more talking and describing of the action on television than I think there is in other sports. And so I thought the transition to radio would be fairly simple. You just had to talk a little bit more, but I had already been doing it. But if there was an adjustment, uh, what you can say, how much you can get in, what you can't get in, uh, where the puck is, uh, things like that. So there was a, a learning experience. There was a growth process there. I was very fortunate that Lou Lamorello was willing to grow with me. He gave me the opportunity knowing that, it would take a while to find my pace, and uh, I'll be forever grateful that uh, he gave me the chance. Matt, what's the biggest challenge about preparing for an NHL game to call? Well, I think that particularly like when we're playing a team, a Western Conference team that you don't see that much, uh, it's to know as much about them as you might know about, say, the New York Rangers. Now, that's nearly impossible uh, given the short nature of time that you might have to do so, but if you try to do that, I think that's part of it. I, th- I think the what I have found over the years, and I, I finally have you know, succumbed to it and admitted it, that there's always going to be somebody out there who knows just a little bit more than you. Uh, there's nothing that says just because this is what I do, I have to know everything that's going on in the league, every minute detail. And so if you just accept the fact that you're not going to know everything, 
and that you need to come prepared to be as excited as you can to entertain the listeners, to be as fair-minded and broad-minded as you can be while understanding that most of your listeners will be rooting for the home team, uh, I think then you've accomplished the task. So what you want to do is just make sure you get down, obviously, the basics. In our sport, more than most, pronunciation of last names and first names to a degree can be difficult. So you want to make sure that you get that down right. And then you just uh, try to commit as much to memory in terms of uh, number and name because you really can't put a face to the name given the fact that most guys wear shields and the broadcast boots are 100 feet above the ice. So you just hope that you get it all down real quick, and at the end of the night you've kept mistakes to a minimum. So, Matt, how important is a color commentator when it comes to hockey play-by-play on the radio? Yeah, it's very important, and and my partner, Sherry Ross, does a terrific job. I I think what it does is it gives the listener a bit of a break. Uh, Not only is there a different sound to the voice, there's a different perspective, too. Uh, I think that it would easy to stay in that play-by-play mode, I think, and if I was doing the game on my own, uh, yes, the puck goes out of play and I've got to say something, but I don't get a chance to catch my breath if I'm working by myself, and you're kind of just running through things to, in a way, fill the time. I think that the ones who do it uh, on their own, and there are very few anymore, Chuck Tate, the great Hall of Fame announcer for the Carolina Hurricanes, does it, and he does a terrific job, but I like the fact that there's someone I can lean on. Uh, hopefully she leans on me, too. We share information. She'll see something that I don't see. I think that's as much as uh, an important part as anything else, and that is I'm so focused on the puck. Sometimes there are things that occur behind the play, away from the play, that you don't see. And so you need that extra, uh, those extra set of eyes and, and that extra voice, that extra body working with you. Now, Matt, you mentioned how far you you are away from the press box when you're calling a Devils game or any game in the NHL. So how tough how tough is it to really keep up with where the puck is on the ice with the speed of the game? Well, uh, it, it's not easy. On the other hand, after a while, you learn some tricks of the trade. Dump it in. That buys you some time. Uh, they play it across. You don't necessarily have to identify everyone. I'd much rather, because I think if you listen to the game, People certainly hear the names of the players, but they get a sense of what's happening. And so if you can just kind of build that, so the Devils bring it across. If, if suddenly, and I know he's not in the lineup because he's been hurt, but if someone turns, if Ryan Clough turns his back and I'm quickly, hey, is that, was that 28 or is that 29? I don't know. The Devils dump it in. So, um, yeah, you want to you know, be as accurate as you can and you want to try to stay up with the play as best you can. But the reality is you can't. The game is so quick. So you learn some in-between steps. Let those in-between steps go by, I should say. So, uh, yeah, sometimes it's just a tap pass. Sometimes it's they bring it across. It might be, you know, a pass from one side of the ring to the other and enables the Devils to bring the puck in the zone. But if you try to describe every single thing, you'll be way behind the play. So you let some things breathe a little bit, and uh, as long as the viewer, or excuse me, the listener, gets an idea of what you're talking about, that's, that's more than sufficient. Matt, transitioning over to the Devils this year, they sit at 6-7-2. and two. You know, From someone who sees the, these games night in, night out, what's been the biggest issue with the Devils so far? Well, the Devils cannot score consistently, and it's a bit of the same problem that happened to them last year. Now, they did address the issue over the summer. They signed Mike Camilleri. He just returned to the lineup. They missed him for half a dozen games. Uh, They've lost Adam Henrique recently, and he's their leading goal scorer from last year. And the Devils are now in that group of teams that uh, 
anyone can make the playoffs or anyone could have a bad run and slip out of the playoffs. They're no longer one of the elite teams in the East. They're trying to get back to that position, but it's clear that they're in a rebuilding mode. So they don't have the depth that they can withstand key injuries like that. So that's where they're struggling the most. I think overall the transition to a younger defense has worked out fine. Corey Schneider would tell you himself that he's not played up to his standards. In fact, after the game in Boston, he said uh, that I'm not the goalie that I know I can be. So he needs to be a little bit better. They need to get healthy as soon as they can. And I think when that happens, they'll be a better team. But it's not going to be easy. There's nothing guaranteed. There's nothing that says that they've got an invitation to the postseason awaiting them. They're going to have to earn it. Now, you mentioned Corey Schneider. What does he specifically have to do to be better out there on the ice? You know, I think he's really fighting himself. I think that any player uh, at any level, if things don't go well, fights a confidence battle. And I think even though uh, he was here last year and that transition from Marty Brodeur to Corey Schneider took place last year as they split the duties, I think it is different when you are the guy and you are expected to uh, be the one that they can lean on night in and night out. And he had great stretches last year, but he also knew if he had a bad game, uh, sometimes even if he had a good game, Marty was going to come in and he got that break. And I think as the team has scuffled, with scoring goals and suffering through some injuries, he's put a little more pressure on himself. He also got the big extension over the summer, and many athletes, though not all, but many will tell you that that first year after signing a big contract is difficult because you try to prove that you're deserving of it. And I think that's all added up. I think he showed us last year and in previous games, years that he played with Vancouver, that he can be among the best in the league, but he's not at that standard now. Uh, he he's just fighting it right now. So he's going to need to have one of those games where everything goes well, the team plays well in front of him, he plays better, and then that'll help him the next game, and hopefully he'll be able to build on that. Matt, if Schneider continues to scuffle, do you see a situation where Marty Brodeur comes back? I know there are Devils fans who hope that would happen, and to some degree I would like to see that happen because Marty Brodeur deserves to have a career that is celebrated and not fade to black as he as happened last year, despite playing that last game here against Boston and, and having the fans come out and you know give him a standing ovation and, and leaving with the victory. But he needs to be celebrated. However, that being said, he's not played competitively now since last April. We're in the second month of the season. Uh, I don't see a scenario where he comes back here, despite the fact that he's now said he'd be willing to be a backup somewhere. I think the shadow that he casts is too big. And it would not it would not be easy for him to come for him to come back here and say, Okay, Corey's the guy, just put me in like any other backup. I, I just don't think it would work. Now Matt, going around the rest of the NHL, what have, what has been in your opinion the biggest storyline so far this season? Oh, I, I think that what we've seen, uh well, for instance, we just uh, saw St. Louis's young forward Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, I think that he is, uh, you know, he's had a, a couple of highlight real goals. I think that he's on the verge of moving up to the elite. Uh, I think that Tampa Bay uh, certainly has uh, shown that they are one of the teams that will contend for the Stanley Cup with Steven Stamkos back healthy now. And uh, John Cooper in his second year, they, they learned an awful lot last year. There have been a tremendous amount of injuries, and we'll continue to talk about concussions. It's a uh, not just a hockey-wide, but a sports-wide issue. 
for the contact sports. Uh, Zach Breezy not playing for Minnesota tonight. Ryan Klo, though they're not calling it a concussion, he's not in the lineup uh, following a hit to the head. I think more and more we're seeing uh, that that is that's a big issue. So that that's kind of what I have seen a little bit this year. Uh, the, the resurgence, or the, I shouldn't say the resurgence, but Tampa Bay really taking their rightful place among the elite. Uh, Stamkos being brilliant. Uh, Sidney Crosby, Pittsburgh's rejuvenated. Crosby's on an unbelievable pace. So those are a couple of the early stories along with the concussion issue. Matt, you just t- talked about some head injuries in the NHL. Do you see a situation down the line where the National Hockey League adjusts some of its rules to, to limit these injuries? Well, they're trying, and they're, they're, they're you know, like uh, football, they're eliminating or trying to certainly penalize and hits to the head. I think the next step you will see is that, and, and discussions and testing is, is underway, the Players Association and the league will come up with some rule adjustment or at least uh, equipment adjustments, if not rules about the equipment per se, but adjustments about uh, just what they're composed of and how, uh, you know, how they must become softer. I mean, the elbow pads that these guys wear, you could literally, literally drive nails into two-by-fours with. Uh, I understand they don't want those injuries. I wouldn't want to take a puck off my elbow either. But when uh, your, your head comes in contact with that at a high rate of speed, that's not a good thing for your head or your brain. So I think you'll see some equipment adjustments. The game is going to get faster. The game is being played by big men who can skate 25, 30 miles an hour. It's a collision sport, so you're going to have some issues. You can't legislate everything out of the game. But I think the education against the hits to the head, some increased penalties in that area and changes in the equipment will, will ultimately result in it being a, a safer game. Now, Matt, before we before we let you go, we wanted to talk about the two other local teams in the metropolitan area, of course, the Islanders and the Rangers. What have you seen from both those teams? Obviously, the Islanders have been off to a pretty impressive start and a great road trip. And, you know, the Rangers, they started off a little slow, but they're starting to put some wins together. Well, I have uh, not seen the Islanders yet in person. The Devils will play them over the uh, Thanksgiving Day weekend. But watching them from afar, it's kind of what I thought might happen. They solidified their goaltending over the summer. They made some changes just before the start of the year and acquired some defensemen that will uh, and have supported them and bolstered that back end. But really it revolved around John Tavares. And uh, they were starting to go a little south before he suffered his knee injury uh, at Olympic time. But uh, So I, I'm not sure if he had stayed healthy where they would have been headed anyway. But it certainly wouldn't have been as dramatic a drop uh, because he's such a great player and such a great leader. So as long as he remains healthy and there's a sense of uh, confidence and belief that uh, in goal they'll get a good performance most nights, I think they're going to be a very dangerous team. Finally, that youth movement is paying some dividends uh, with the New York Islanders. Rangers we saw earlier in the year, and they came back and beat the Devils. They're very interesting. You know, I've been around the Devils team a long time. When you go to the Stanley Cup final and you come back the next year not having won, but getting there and losing, it's a little difficult to get restarted. And the other thing we have to remember with the Rangers is they were not a great team last year, but they had a great goalie who played great at the important times. Now, that still is a possibility for Lundqvist to do that, but that's a large reason why they went to the Stanley Cup final. You know, they didn't score a lot of goals last year. Uh, you know, top to bottom, it wasn't the best 18 skaters they put out there every night, but they knew they were great in goal. So uh, I think we're seeing a little bit of a slip back to the norm, if you will, for the Rangers, but they still have one twist in goal, and you'll never 
uh, count them out, or if you do, you count them out at your own peril. Matt, obviously, uh, early in the spring, uh, Ralph Kiner passed away, legendary broadcast. You actually had the opportunity to work with him. You rejuvenated Kiner's Corner on Fox Sports. Now, what, what are some of the things you learned from Ralph as a broadcaster? Well, one of the great pleasures, one of the great joys of my career was my opportunity to work with Ralph. I grew up a Mets fan, and like all Mets fans, grew up watching and or listening to Ralph and Lindsey Nelson and Bob Murphy. And I had, again, the great joy to work uh, with Ralph on the television side and work you know, somewhat side-by-side side because Murph was there doing the radio and I was doing the Mets. So, uh, geez, just something I look back fondly. Here's the thing about Ralph Kiner. He was the humblest superstar that anyone could ever meet. Uh, a man who's in the Hall of Fame, a man who was well-known for a great career on the field and off the field as a broadcaster, and yet at the same time he treated everyone like he grew up next door to you and uh, you were either his nephew or your best friend's son. I mean, he was just... Uh, he was just a kind, uh, gentle man who had a great sense of humor. And the stories he could tell, I mean, hmm. he saw Babe Ruth play in an exhibition. Now, it wasn't, you know, uh, a regular major league game because Ralph grew up uh, out on the West Coast, but that's the connection he has to the game. He had a connection back to its roots almost to the uh, beginning of the sport. And, uh, you know, he was a virtual timeline of baseball in the 20th century. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the world the world is a lesser place uh, with his passing. Matt, thanks so much for a couple minutes of your time, and good luck the rest of the season. Yeah, thanks, Matt. It's, it's, uh, fantastic, fellas. It's, uh, it was my pleasure. Uh, you guys keep up the good work at any time. Love to join you again. Thank you for listening to the Asman and Budic Podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.